You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Whatever you do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Folks, your team oh. every day. You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why. And how today is brought to you by our friends over at the Peacock and Williamson show. Get the latest on the NFL from NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson. They do an awesome job. Check them out as part of the Locked On Podcast Network on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Brandon Thorne, formerly of The Athletic, and I think one of the foremost offensive line gurus on the internet I, I think he does as good a job of anyone that we have in sports media taking offensive line play distilling it and making it digestible making it understandable for an audience that does not have the expertise that he does and I know that seems like a very basic thing but as someone who does not have as well versed a a knowledge of offensive line play I appreciate the work that he does because it it makes me smarter. I learn something every time I listen to him on a podcast, every time I read something of his, when I watch the film breakdowns of his on Twitter, I'm always learning something about, you know, attack angles or hand placement or technique or leverage or, you know, blocking schemes or reading defenses. There's something in there. He just does a really great job, and, and I'm really glad to have him on to talk about this Packers offensive line. We're going to talk about some of the picks. We're going to talk about the future of Elton Jenkins and a lot more. I wrote something for Army Packing Company yesterday, and we're going to talk about it later this week with America's guest, Jason Hershorn, about Jordan Love. And I'm not going to I'm not going to focus on the Jordan Love part of it for the moment or the offensive scheme part of it for the moment. But I want to bring up some of the things that are in that piece because... Pro Football Focus came out with their projections based on the the model that they have that is using machine learning and and their projections and war and grades and all kinds of cool stuff that they have about the odds of making the Super Bowl. And they are assuming Aaron Rodgers is on this team. And they have the Packers as the fourth best team in the league. And the third most likely to win the Super Bowl behind the Chiefs, behind the Bucks, and behind the Bills. They are more likely than the Bills to win the Super Bowl. And I think that's because the Chiefs are the favorite. The Chiefs are the not the overwhelming favorite, but certainly the favorite favorite. I don't know why, if Green Bay is healthy and the the lingering drama of all of this does not negatively affect the team, why they're not just as good as those other two teams. And that's the that's the thing that I that I think has been lost in the offseason of Rodgers. Mike Clay did his evaluations of, of player rosters and his evaluations, which I, I disagree with some of them. Um, he had the Packers as the third most talented roster in the league. Now, that includes Aaron Rodgers again. But if they have Aaron Rodgers, remember, this is a Super Bowl favorite, one of them. They are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. 
And all you need to be is in that list. I, mean, I was just going back and looking at the history of this over the last 20 plus years, going back to 1999, the number of teams who have won that have been the best team and use something like DVOA, it's a handful. It's two, three times, but they're usually in the top five and they're with the exception of the Giants twice, they're in the top 10, basically. And there might be one or two other outliers. You want to be in this group, obviously. The Packers roster is really, really good. It's really good. They had the best offensive line in the league last year by pass block and run block win rate, number two in pass block grade. They have the reigning best receiver in the league. Devontae Adams was the single best receiver in football last year. Aaron Jones is one of the most dynamic running backs in the league, and they have a head coach who led the league in open percentage last year, three yards of separation or more, and wide open percentage, five yards or more. This offense is set up to succeed, and they will they will continue to succeed. They added the one piece, the one type of player that this offense didn't have, the run after catch, someone who can just create that that some and they and they added it at a position where he can also be the jet sweep guy that they lost, the punt returner that they lost. This offense was the best in football last year and can be even better. And there are going to be critics out there who say, well, it was all Aaron Rodgers. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't because the offense in 2019 was actually more Aaron Rodgers and more Mike McCarthy, and it was significantly worse. The 2020 offense was all Matt LaFleur in that it was the principles that he preaches, that he espouses, that he is representing as a member of the, the Shanahan tree they ran the, the Matt LaFleur offense last year. And Aaron Rodgers makes changes at the line of scrimmage. And he gets them in the right plays and, and RPOs and the pre-snap adjustments and the kills. And, and all of the things that he can do takes it to a, a unique level. But this offense is really good. It's really talented. And it is a complete offensive team. On the defensive side, there is still this question mark about what you're getting from Kevin King. But you have the best safety duo in football. I'm, I am ready to say it. After doing some research and, and watching, watching some tape this offseason, I am ready to say that they have the best safety duo. The, the, the best, certainly for 2021. But I think in 2020, they were the best. You look at the second half of the season. We talked about this a lot. They were the best duo in football. And over the course of the season, in the aggregate, they were the best duo in football. You come into this season, you have a healthy Kenny Clark. Rashawn Gary continues to get better. Sedarius Smith, Preston Smith is back. You, you're getting Kingsley Kiki back healthy. I really like TJ Slayton as, as another body that they can throw out there to keep Kenny Clark fresh. And I like the additions that they've made in the secondary. Stokes, Shamar Jean Charles, you've created some competition. Josh Jackson is someone who I think can, can play better in this defense. Don't forget, this team is really good. This team is really, really good. The Saints last year, who were a playoff team, they're going to be worse with Jameis Winston and or Taysom Hill. They're going to be worse. And I don't know that Matthew Stafford is the huge upgrade over Jared Goff that everyone seems to think he is. 
I was just looking at it by EPA per play. Uh, Marcus Mariota has been the more efficient quarterback in his career than Matthew Stafford. Remarkable. Remarkable. How much more can Matthew Stafford bring to that Rams offense? Maybe more. Maybe not. They also lost the, the, the engine of that defense in defensive coordinator Brandon Staley because it wasn't as good the year before when they had Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. So you can say it's those guys, but it wasn't as good the year before. Brandon Staley was a big part of the success, and they brought a new guy in to come run that same scheme. Can he be as effective as Staley was when, when Staley is the one that has the deep knowledge of that scheme? I don't get it. And, and why are we just assuming the 49ers are going to be good? Why are we just assuming that? There's still major questions about their secondary. Nick Bosa is coming off serious injury. Javon Kinlaw has, has not been and, and I don't think will ever be DeForest Buckner. Eric Armstead, you know, talented but inconsistent player. High highs. The secondary is still a question for me. And then what are they getting offensively? What is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be? Is he going to stay healthy? And if and if he can't, or if they have to go to Trey Lance, what is that experience going to be like? A guy with one season as a starter at, you know, the the D2 level, basically, or we D, D1 AA. I understand FCS versus FBS, but, you know, who cares? It's not like he played at a group of five school. And, and I know North Dakota State is a real program, and my buddy over at Packer Report, Ross Uglum, is going to be mad at me for t- treating them like a second-class citizen, and they're not. That's a really good program. They, they get guys NFL ready to play. But the, the program is one thing. The competition is another. How ready is he going to be? Certainly not by week three when the Packers play the 49ers. Why should we expect that when those two teams play, the 49ers are going to be better? Why do they have better odds to win a Super Bowl? Now, presumably, you're building in some of the Aaron Rodgers stuff. I get that. But if Aaron Rodgers is on the field, if Aaron Rodgers is on the field, this is a Super Bowl contending team, absolutely without a doubt, if they stay relatively healthy. And they added to that depth this offseason, even without adding a bunch of players because they brought so many of their guys back. And all they've done, I know Corey Lindsley is gone, but all they've done over the last two seasons is add to the interior offensive line depth. They're planning for this. They're ready for this moment. So I just, I don't want us to forget that lost in all of the Aaron Rodgers drama. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. The Stanley Cup playoffs are in the mix. Bet on some playoff hockey as fun and compelling as any sports out there. It's terrific. And we still have one more horse race in the leg of the Triple Crown, even though we will not have a Triple Crown winner. We've got NBA playoffs here. This is a great time to get in on the action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to make some money. Go to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code Locked On. That's right. Use the promo code Locked On. Put in money, and they will match that first deposit up to 50% at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I had one today. 
I split them with my wife, afternoon snack. She loves them. I love them. And they, they have become an integral part of our day. Those late afternoon snacks, when you just need a little something, you just got to get to dinner and you don't want to grab for the chips. You don't want to grab for the cookies, but you want something that makes you feel good. That is delicious. Well, that's what Built Bar is. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Each new flavor that they come out with are terrific. The problem is they're usually limited time offers because they sell out. So don't get left behind. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKS15 to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKS15 to get 15% off at BuiltBar.com. These delicious bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. So they taste great, but they will not make you feel guilty. 15% off with the promo code LOCKS15 at BuiltBar.com. All right, let's get to my conversation with Brandon Thorne. You can find him on Substack. It's trenchwarfare.substack.com. He's also on Establish the Run. You can find his video on the Scouting Academy. Follow him on Twitter at Brandon Thorne NFL. Brandon, thanks for coming on Locked on Packers. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. So the, the Packers clearly wanted to invest resources at their offensive line this year. They lose Corey Lindsley uh, in free agency. We know that they're going to be without David Bakhtiari for some period of time. When you look at the guys that they've taken, it seems like at least uh, Josh Myers and, and Cole Van Lannan are going to start on the inside for sure. Royce Newman played um, guard mostly at rookie camp. We'll see what happens there. Let's start with with Myers, the center from Ohio State. Uh, what did you think of him at Ohio State when you did your pre-draft evaluation? Yeah, so uh, I was really intrigued with him. I mean, I, I think I you could probably qualify, you know, my opinion of him is like I was pretty high on him. Um, not maybe as high as some, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know really what the consensus was necessarily. Uh, but you know, for me, when I watched his film, I saw a guy with definitely like the physical dimensions that you want to see for, you know, a high level prospect, like a day one, day two type guy, uh, just in terms of his frame and his build, um, just muscular and lean, you know, big frame looked like he had, you know, carried his weight very well moved well for his size, um, above average, I think in terms of short area quickness and, you know, just how he moved around the field. So just from that perspective, I, I thought it was, you know, impressive. Um, and then mentally, you know, in, in terms of his alertness and his awareness, um, to, you know, point out things pre-snap, you could really see that he was making the calls, um, you know, and handling that aspect of playing center. And he was really good at deciphering things, um, you know, blitzes and, you know, just very timely in how he was helping, uh, you know, secure the A-gaps pretty much. Um, so that's really what I liked about him. Um, and then the things that I didn't like, I just, I didn't think he really stayed on blocks very well. Yep. You know, I thought his ability to sustain was, you know, below average, uh, maybe even marginal, just just, you know, oftentimes inaccurate and late with his hands, let guys get into his chest too easily. And then that subsequently led him to being shed off blocks too quickly. Um, so didn't really gain a lot of control with his blocks. He more so, you know, got in the initial position correctly. And that, you know, oftentimes was good enough. Uh, but I didn't see a lot of like grip strength and control and, you know, dominance or anything that I think he may be capable of if he, you know, cleaned up that technique. 
Um, so, you know, that, that that's kind of what I didn't like. And I thought that was pretty persistent on his tape. You know, there's one game in particular where he really struggled. Uh, it was against Rutgers. They have a, a little nose tackle there that gave almost everybody trouble that I watched. Uh, his name is Julius Turner. He's six foot tall, 265 pounds, and he's really good at playing nose tackle. Obviously very low to the ground, good with his hands, quick. Yeah. He gave Myers a lot of trouble. Um, so not necessarily, he's, you know, he's not necessarily going to see guys like that, but, you know, Grady Jarrett, Puna Ford, those kind of guys, I think could probably give him a lot of trouble, uh, at least initially. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and the thing is he's uh, really inexperienced, um, you know, 21 career starts. So I would imagine there's a good amount of room there to improve. I think he's, I don't know his age offhand. I have it in somewhere written down, but I think he's fairly young. He comes from an interesting background. Um, you know, I don't think they passed the ball in, in uh, high school uh, where he played. He played in the wing T. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of inexperience and in pass protection, even though I, you know, I thought that was kind of more one of his strengths of his game, honestly. So, uh, but still interesting, you know, family of athletes as well. Trained with Duke Mannyweather in Dallas. Um, you know, I mean, but he was started for two years and they won a lot of games and he was the guy making all the calls. So, you know, just an interesting guy. I, you know, I kind of settled in like the round three, four range, like on that fringe. Um, I think that his potential is certainly more than that. You know, he, he certainly could be, you know, a, I think an above average starter. Um, I just think that he needs some time technique wise to get there. And I wanted to ask you about that because I think that's the thing that, you know, certainly um, it, it takes a more nuanced understanding of offensive line play to say, OK, this this player has issues with X. And in, in this case, you mentioned sustaining blocks. Yep. So how much of that is fixable? Uh, I, I think it's, you know, a good a good deal of it is fixable for sure, because it's. You know, it's technique largely, um, understanding, you know, timing, angles, leverage, how to position your body correctly. Um, you know, when I say timing, I mean, you know, primarily with his hands, uh, placement with his hands, not allowing guys, you know, to get access to his frame as easily as he does, maybe playing a little lower, more compact, um, you know, and just, just learning kind of the nuances of how to fit on blocks and then how to sustain those blocks, I think is definitely, you know, coachable and, and learnable. Um, so, you know, I, but the thing is, I mean, technique for me, it's, it's interesting, you know, when you're watching prospects, you got to try to, you know, do some research on them. Hopefully you're able to talk to maybe a coach or people who have been around them to see how they learn. And, you know, all that kind of stuff is obviously very difficult on the outside, but been able to do it for a handful of these guys and not saying that I was able to do it for Myers, but just in general, it's like, you, you got to try to figure out, okay, is this guy going to be able to learn the technique, um, you know, and find it, you know, kind of dig into that a little bit, because to me, it's like technique, even though it's coachable, technically, uh, it doesn't always happen, obviously. Um, and I think a large part right. of that is the situation that they go into, who they're playing with, what the offensive line room is like. Do they have guys there that can help guide them along? Do they have coaches there that have a track record of development? Do they have a stable environment where he's going to be able to you know, learn a playbook, learn a scheme, learn the guy next to him, and actually progress in that over the course of two, three, four years? I think he went to a great spot in, in Green Bay, obviously, you know, the way that that team's run, the offense that he's going to be going into, the players he's going to be around, all that stuff is very, very conducive 
to developing, I think. So, you know, my grade uh, here in three or four years, you know, I might be a little low on him, honestly, just because that situation he went to, I think, is really, um, you know, encouraging, I think, for, for those coachable things to get corrected or at least improved, you know, to the point where his physical traits can really shine. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, optimistic about his development now, especially now knowing where he went. Um, but yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged basically about those things improving. Yeah. It's interesting because I I saw some of the stuff that you were talking about on tape in terms of not sustaining blocks. And I go, you know, to, to the physical part and he's six, five, three, 10 and you go, okay. He's this big, strong guy. I mean, the arms, the guy has absolute pythons, but he has short arms by, you know, NFL person standards, 32 inch arms. He's got these huge hands. How much of how much of that do you think for him is is capped because of that length? Or do you think this is mostly uh, a, a technique problem? Um, I mean, it's. You know, when I was watching his tape, I, I primarily saw it as being more of a technique thing. Okay. Uh, but, you know, 32-inch arms at center especially, um, that's really not that, you know, big of a deal at all. Um, I, I think there's, you know, it's 32 flat. So, you know, I, I don't know off the top of my head how many guys, you know, who are relatively good and, you know, generally good at that position are 32 flat and under. I know there's some you know, 31 and change guys. Uh, I think Ben Jones is low 32. That one pops up to me. There's a couple guys out there who, you know, don't have the longest arms, but they win in other ways. Uh, you know, especially at center, I think it's probably least important there. If he's playing guard, which I think he probably can, then maybe a little bit more of a concern because you're seeing a different type of defender. You know, oftentimes you're more isolated, stuff like that. You know, there's more, now, I guess variables for that to kind of hurt you as a player. But yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't too concerned about that. Um, something to okay. note, but you know, like I said, I think it's how he uses his hands. Um, you know, oftentimes that can circumvent, uh, you know, a lack of length, um, or even, you know, diminish the length completely. There's plenty of guys with long arms who don't know how to use their hands. And then, you know, it's kind of a moot point talking about their arm length. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. yeah, I think how he uses his hands, man, I think that's going to be huge for him and, and just learning that. Then, um, you know, obviously he's in a offensive line room with probably the guy who uses his hands better than anybody in the NFL and Bakhtiari, which not saying that, you know, he can kind of, you know, like translate that over to him, you know, exactly. But you certainly are in a great place to learn how to use your hands better when you have a guy like that. You know, you could pick his brain every day. No question. And and then they they double dipped along the offensive line. They got all Miss uh, tackle Royce Newman. It sounds like the Packers have said, you know what, we're going to see where he plays best. At rookie camp, he was playing a lot of guard, played tackle in college. What did you see when when you watched Royce Newman but besides just a, a glorious mullet? <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty awesome. Um, you know, Newman was a guy that I, I really took a liking to because I, you know, when I watch guys on film, if possible, I always start with the early games in the year and then work my way through the season in order, just because I, I think that gives me a really good idea of seeing if they can improve or not. Um, so with him, I, I had a bunch of games from Ole Miss, thankfully. So I was able to watch five or six of his games from 2020, I even went back and watched a 2019 game. 
So I say that because, so 2019, he played left guard. 2020, he played right tackle. Early in the year at right tackle, didn't look comfortable. Just was kind of a mess, you know, just um, really struggled. I think it was against Florida week one of the season. Really struggled in that game and pass protection in particular. And, you know, just making all my notes and everything going through the year. It, it was just obvious that he was getting better. He was settling down with his footwork, you know, figuring out where he needed to set to, you know, set points, getting there, incorporating different techniques with his hands and just starting to like really show some nice nuance to his technique and timing and, you know, mixing things up and keeping pass rushers off balance. And it was just like, okay, this guy's, you know, initially was rough and then he's improving each week. He's showing, you know, refined technique. Um, and I think the thing that jumped out more than anything in terms of just like a physical trait for him was, and it's also, it's not just purely physical, um, was his initial quickness, which I think is tied to snap timing um, and just his ability to anticipate. Uh, I thought that really jumped out. And it's it's not too surprising that he went to Green Bay, who I, I mean, I think, you know, just Green Bay, whenever I think of anticipation, and snap timing, I go to Green Bay's offensive line because Bakhtiari is a master at it. Uh, Bulaga was a master at it. And they just consistently seem to have guys who are so good at timing the snap, which is, I think, a critical skill, uh, especially in the pro game, because if you can just have that, you know, whatever fraction of a second, you know, leg up on your opponent, that could be the difference in a win and a loss on a rep. So that to me was really appealing on his tape. Um, so, you know, that that allowed him to be really good on the backside of runs, cutting off three techniques from the right tackle spot on outside zone away from him, um, you know, getting to the second level quickly, you know, getting out of his stance into his pass set quickly. So, like, I really like that. And that was kind of a good foundational part of his game that bled into so many other things. Um, so that combined with improving you know, positional versatility in his back pocket. You know, there was a lot to like there, I, I thought, for him. Um, you know, the, the negatives, uh, you know, I thought that he got a little over-reliant on certain things in pass protection, like using two hands to strike. That allowed some quick losses to transpire that hurt him. He's going to need to be more varied at the pro, game, pro level and just continue to refine that. If he stayed a tackle, if not, then... But, you know, maybe still he still would need to do that, but maybe, you know, it won't be as pronounced. Um, pad level tended to rise on contact, which, you know, really kind of sapped, you know, his leverage and balance. And he was susceptible to push pulls, um, guys getting into his chest, pushing him, then pulling him down. I think his anchor might have been the most concerning thing or his inability to anchor yeah. consistently. Uh, against rushers with a lot of length and power, um, Vanderbilt, that Deo guy, um, you know, he, I forgot where he, where he got drafted, but he, uh, Colts. Yeah. He, he was a guy who gave him a lot of trouble in that regard. And he's going to see more guys like that in the pro game. So I think anchor yeah. is probably his biggest thing that he has to work on. Um, and yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, I really liked him, man. I mean, he, he added 70 pounds uh, over his, the course of his college career, he's going to be older, you know, so that's one of the downsides, you know, of, of his profile, I guess, you know, he's going to be a 24 year old rookie. Um, so, you know, that, that is what it is, but I came down like a, you know, a strong uh, round four grade on him. Um, 
And he was a guy that I thought could develop into a starter at multiple positions. Yeah, and and you know, athletically he tested some of the the signifiers you want to see for those first step quickness guys, has that good ten yard split, some good explosives with the jump. So the athletic numbers back up, you know, the ability to potentially keep that in the second level or at, at the next level. And I'm sure fans of of opposing teams will insist that David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga were false starting a lot, but I I appreciate you calling it uh timing the snap. Well, if it's false <laughs> starting, they would have got called for it. Right. There you go. Exactly. It's only speeding if the cop pulls you over. Um, but if you're doing it in front of a cop every single day and they don't call it, then you know, you're right. No, no, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm making light of it, but <laughs> yeah, right. um, it, it, it's also a skill. Yeah, if you can is. do it consistently and not get called, like that's yeah. a skill, right? So um, the last thing I want to ask you about um, is Alan Jenkins, because uh, it looks like David Bakhtiari is going to be mm-hmm. uh, – Probably not ready to start uh, right away. The Packers have said they're going to be cautious with him. And Ellen Jenkins was the secret weapon for the Packers last year. We thought, oh, hey, you know, they they signed Rick Wagner. You're going to put Billy Turner and Rick Wagner out there um, if there's any injuries. And yet it was Jenkins out there starting week one when they needed a tackle. Do you think he could be the, the right tackle of the future now that we've seen him play tackle? Or do you just say, look, he, he could be a, an all pro guard. Let's just let's just let sleeping dogs lie. Well, my opinion, I think that you should keep him inside because of that, just because his ceiling, I think, is is higher. And then we've also seen that being, I think, proven. So I, I lean that way as far as what will happen, you know, that I can't speak to like as confidently. I don't you know know exactly. I mean, I think there's probably a pretty good chance he might play right tackle. Um, you know, I, I just don't know what's going to happen. But I, yeah, me personally, I would definitely keep him inside because, you know, especially a guard. I mean, I, that's where I like him most. I mean, if you can have a stud guard, I think that's so valuable. And I mean, you know, not as valuable as tackle, obviously, but I think that gap is closer than people think um and yeah i just think he's so good at left guard that's where i would love to keep him and then maybe try myers at center you know and let maybe a competition there with somebody else uh and then figure out just keep that left side intact and just have an elite left side and at least you know that you have something elite on the offensive line and then you can kind of let the other you know chips fall where they may and you have a lot of interesting chips in place here uh you know just looking at the depth chart i mean man i'm really intrigued to see how this plays out because i think that there's several guys here who can you know be if not plus starters at least service serviceable starters here um and then which would probably allow you to have some pretty decent depth um as well so yeah i'm really intrigued but I, I mean, I, you know, that Jenkins game at right tackle against Minnesota, he obviously didn't, you know, get to face uh, very good competition that game uh, from whatever. I don't think Hunter played uh, nope. that game um, in Minnesota, I think, uh, based on, you know, I graded all the uh, pass rushing defensive lines last year. I think they were like bottom three the entire year. You know, they, they were a really bad pass rushing uh, yeah. defensive line, especially <laughs> on the edges. So, you know, he didn't really face anybody that game, but still look good doing it. You know, I don't, I don't question that he could do it. I just think, you know, I I always tend to lean, you know, keep a guy where you have the highest chance of him being the best that he can be, even if it is at a slightly less valuable spot. So, yeah. And I love that left side intact, that whole idea. 
Yeah, that's great. Uh, Brandon, this was awesome. Uh, let my listeners know where they can find more of the work that, that you do, because uh, I think you are as good as we have at, at diagnosing, dissecting, and making digestible offensive line play, which is a blind spot for a lot of people, myself included. Yeah, thanks, man. I uh, People can follow me on Twitter. That's probably the best spot. That's where I post all my work. It's at Brandon Thorne NFL. And they can also check out uh, my Substack, which is trenchwarfare.substack.com. That's where I do more kind of long form stuff, video articles, uh, stuff like that. And yeah, I'm, you know, putting together a plan right now. I have a plan right now, pretty much all set for this, the summer content. So I think people will really enjoy what I have coming there. Um, film rooms, stuff like that. So yeah, um, th- those are probably the two best spots and I appreciate you having me. Awesome. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, no problem. I want to thank Brandon for coming on the show again. Always great to talk to him. He was on a couple years ago when we had Elton Jenkins on. Well, we didn't have Elton Jenkins on. He talked about Elton Jenkins. We talked about, hey, could he could he scoot out and play tackle? And he was like, well, he could, but you know, he's probably a much better guard. And and he was right. By the way, he loved Elton Jenkins and was really excited to see what what he could do. And and guess what? Uh, he is he was an early adopter of the Elton Jenkins hive. Uh, he he has been a big fan from the start, and so I I really trust. Uh, his words on on this stuff. I think he can play tackle. I think it. I, I don't know if I agree with him on the value part of it. I understand he could be a, a, an all pro left guard. I think he could be a really high level right tackle. And given the investment along the interior, I think uh, that is probably more valuable for this team. Although I I totally get it. Hey, you you put David Bakhtiari and Alan Jenkins next to each other, it might be the best left side in football. So that's pretty good too. I, I don't honestly. I do not think there's a bad answer. I think tackles are harder to find. And if you find one you love, if you find a guy who's awesome, you can always move him back. That's the beauty of it. You can always move him back. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. They've got a huge catalog that's remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much on the same parts? Go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Today's episode is brought to you by Locked On Today. Locked On Today is my show. My other show, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. We will update you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. Jason Hershorn, America's guest, is here later in the week. Awesome to get a chance to talk to him. I I mean, I talk to him every day, uh, but we're going to get to talk on the pod, and uh, it's always great to have him on. Certainly, the dynamics have changed. We were joking about this the other day. The dynamics of our our annual uh, GM coach bit um, they're going to be they're going to be changing. 
and and maybe because we have to have a new character, who knows what will happen by August. But we're going to have him on later in the week to talk about Jordan Love and, and how things would change if he is, in fact, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. A lot would change, obviously, but we're talking specifically about how this offense could change. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. 